When you're a teeny tiny cerulean cephalopod in a big bad cephalopod's world, you need to have some tricks up all eight of your sleeves. The blue ringed octopus's diminutive form hides a deadly secret to deter predators that may want to snack on some calamari. But that's what happens when you have a good head on all eight of your shoulders here in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal information. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. Thank you to Cassie for the creation of my theme song. To hear more of Cassie's music, please search Cassie Michelle on YouTube or Spotify. And thank you to Johanna for the creation of this week's artwork. To check that out, you can visit us at our home on the web at ltaxonomy.com. And a very special thank you to our patrons, to Jesse Raspolich, Carol Raspolich, Richard Kaspar. Thank you so much for your support. It's greatly appreciated. Thanks for helping us keep the lights on. And today we're talking about spicy calamari, but neither of those words is quite the right word. Uh, but more on that later. Yes, I use calamari in the uh, in the intro, and it's also incorrect. <laughs> Just as incorrect. But if we're not talking about calamari, which is squid, what are we talking about? We're talking about the blue ringed octopus. Or the greater blue-ringed octopus. Yeah. You know, those, like, the, the a- Admiral Akbar aliens are called, like, calamari. Yeah. What? A- Why would aliens name their weird squid-looking species after, what, uh, Earth people use <laughs> uh, to eat to- when they eat squid? Anyway, uh, it's a little bit on the nose. But, yes, we're talking about the greater blue-ringed Octopus, also known as shoot loops, danger discs, and the BRO or bro. It's like the big friendly giant. What? (laughs) It's like the big friendly giant. Yeah, the BFG. The big friendly gun from Doom. Um. Yeah, bro, which is what I'm going to call it. He's just just a good bro, unless you touch it. Yeah, I did everything I could in the notes to not say the plural of octopus, because it should be octopi, but it's not. It's a much harsher term, which I don't like it. Octopodes? Octopodes. Octopodidae. Speaking of that, would you like to know what science calls it? Sure. They're in the domain, you caryota. Again with the domain. Yeah. Uh, we're in the kingdom uh, that you know, love, and are in the kingdom Animalia. The phylum is Mollusca, which means it's a snail. Just yep. kidding. All things in Mollusca are snails. But it's kin with snails. Um, <laughs> the class is Cephalopodidae. Cep- Cephalopodae. Or poda, really. Cephalopoda? So, yeah. Cephalopoda. See, that's, that's where you, te- that's what it's like. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're mollusks, but we're not snails. We're better than snails. We're squid or octopus or cuttlefish or nautilus. Yeah. The order is octopoda, which is octo, which is an octopus. That's what it is. And the family is octopodidae. 
mm-hmm. which is the majority of known octopus species. But who's an octopus, but not in Octopodidae? That's it. Davy that, Jones. That a, oh, that's fair enough. Ursula. Yep, yep. Because she's only half. Uh, Mon Calamari. No, nah, well, that makes him a squid, right? <laughs> um, the genus is Hapalacleanae. Hapalacleana. 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 Yeah. And this species is Lunulata. Lunul. Lunalata. Okay. Hapalacleana Lunalata. You do? I loan a lot of money to friends and family. <laughs> That's bad business. Um, but that's since we're in the business of naming mm-hmm. things, it's time for uh, my second favorite part of the show, but which is quickly becoming my favorite because we're doing a lot of the same kinds of animals. Uh, nitty gritty nomenclature. There's only one uh, collective noun for octopodes, um, and in, at the moment it's escaping me. And, oh, consortium. Um, and we've gone over that twice in our other two octopus episodes. So we are going to find out what Hapaloclena lunulata means in English. Doesn't mean A, blue lunar circles. B, soft skin, tiny moons. C, moons over a lake. Or D, sharp moon skin. I guess sharp moonskin. Final answer. Right, you picked what would be my favorite Indian name, but nope. The answer is soft skin, tiny moons. That that was my like last guess. Really? It sounds like an Elton John song. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Lunulata is just little moons. And ha- like... Hapaloclana is t- soft skin. Interesting. They should make a lotion named. Hapaloclana. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it would. It's it's got a roll off the tongue, like a war. It's not very. <laughs> it's not very marketable. No. Okay. Well, would you like to know what it looks like? I sure would. As the name suggests, it has large blue rings, which are seven to eight millimeters in diameter, all over its body. Uh, their heads are cone-shaped, sort of, but it's got like this loose socks-style nub at the top. <laughs> like nice. somebody just put their like three fingers on the top of it and just yanked a little bit, and now it's got like a little. Um, it's the cartoon extra too big fabric sock. at the top. Yeah. It's what? It's the cartoon too big sock. Yes, Oops. that's the. Uh oh. Um, Goofy lost his shoe, and now yes, we're looking yes, at a yes. sock. Uh, <laughs> oh, Goofy lost his shoe sock. <laughs> uh, depending on their environment, they come in a variety of colors, including white, tan, yellow, brown, blue, and purple. Uh, and they have the chromatophore, so it can change. And they also have blue lines on their eyeballs, which is fun. Nice. 
but that brings me to the Beloved Measure Up segment. Welcome to the Beloved Measure Up segment, the official listener's favorite part of the show. The part of the show when we present the animal size and dimensions in relatable terms through a quiz that's fun for the whole family. It's, a, it's also part of the show that's introduced by you. When you send in audio yourself saying, singing, or triggering the words measure up into ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. We don't have a new measure up intro this week, but that means we get to hear from my octopus. Okay. Is it going to be Davy Jones? No. Uh, but without further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. Shake up some old memories. New York City. The Central Park Zoo. Life was good. <laughs> Is that the one from Finding Dory? No. Do you? Uh, you might not know this one. I have not seen this movie, but that uh, the voice actor is John Malkovich. Oh, really? <laughs> and it's. Uh, it's the penguins of Madagascar. It's the oh. villain is an octopus named Dave. I've I've seen that movie of like when it came out a long time ago. I haven't seen it, but like when I was preparing the episode, I went and found it, and I was like watching this entire like fifteen minute clip from the movie, and, and getting uh, like man, I should watch the penguins of Madagascar. Are you a Madagascar fan? I've only seen those movies like one time each. Oh, okay. Bibby is a big fan of Madagascar, so we've watched the first one quite a few times and the second one also a lot. So, But yeah, there's an octopus named Dave, and he is on land. No problem. No problem at all. And he's John Malkovich, which is, which is also no problem at all. Not, yeah, that's not a problem. Um, but let's talk about their length. They're 3.9 inches or 10 centimeters. How many pelo... Oh, Pelotons? Pelomyxia. Pelomyxa. Go into the blue ringed octopus. Uh, can you use that in a sentence, please? Sure. Here's a hint. Pelomyxa is a genus of single-celled flagellar amoeba that are the largest amoeba in the microverse. They are large enough to see with the naked eye. You might find uh, them in ponds, or if you scoop a pond pond water into a bowl, you might find them in bowls. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) If you put it into a cup, you'll find them in cups. It's Really, it's up to you where you find them as long as you put them there in the first place. That's true. Uh, it's difficult to tell how many species are are in this genus because you can imagine identifying differentiators in amorphous blobs is kind of difficult. Um, but uh, yeah, it's difficult. There are... Uh, I'll just leave it there. What do you think? How many of these big... Big amoebas go into the blue-ringed octopus. What's an amoeba? <laughs> it's like a southern for amoeba. It's an amoeba. I don't know. So um, it, it's bad news for you because 
My latest like area of interest is microbiology. No, stop it. <laughs> so I still have one for you, one for me in the measure up segment. How many micro amoebas were uh, found on the Stuka bomber that <laughs> flew over the <laughs> London? Um, all right, I'm going to say... A thousand. Okay. I think this is like what? Like a a nanometer. Can you see something that's a nanometer long? Or I Don't forgot know. which one is smaller, a nanometer or a micrometer. Whichever one is the next step down from a millimeter. Um, I'm going to go with, yes, 1,000. Um, is that your f- Pelamixa? Mm, yes I think it's one whatever the sm- sm- is slightly smaller than a millimeter long the correct answer is 20 Pelamixa what these things are huge they can grow up to 10 millimeters or f- 5 millimeters in the in these these greater blue ringed octopus are only 10 centimeters so like uh the wikipedia page specifically makes mention that the term greater doesn't refer to them their size necessarily because they are quite small it refers to the size of the rings so the octopus isn't greater the blue rings are the greater and the least of these will be greatest in god's kingdom um (laughs) yeah I'm having a hard time figuring out which is smaller, nanometers or micrometers. It doesn't seem like a nanometer is uh, a thing. It doesn't seem like a nanometer is the next step down from millimeter. But micrometer is much... Wait. Well, the, just to give you some perspective, a, pelum, a, the, a large pelamixa could be like the size of like a little smaller than a grain of rice. That's a big amoeba. I don't want yeah, it. Yeah, you can me. you can touch it and feel it. I was thinking like, man, that's a single cell. Imagine being able to see and touch a single cell. And then I'm like, oh wait, I do that every day at breakfast when I touch an egg. I guess. <laughs> but what if the egg could take care of itself? What if the egg had flagellum? Would you still eat it? Also, if you look at like slime mold, that's a single cell. And that's pretty pretty big. As long as it has mitochondria, then it has a powerhouse. But it don't. It, don't it doesn't? Mito- no. But mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Uh, I might be getting confused. Hold on. Does I have no idea uh, because I mean, I've been in the microverse. I've I just learned about something that like doesn't have a mitochondria. That's you're in the microverse. How's Paul yeah. Rudd? Paul Rudd's doing great. He's not in the microverse. He's like in the, the like quantum something verse. else, quantum verse, something silly like that. Uh, okay. Let's talk about the, let's talk about weight. 2.8 ounces. That's 80 grams if you are European. A drug dealer. 
Or or a drug dealer. <laughs> Uh, how many blue ring Dr. Pals go into the weight of a Fender Stratocaster? Ooh, that one is for me. What's your electric guitar? Mine is an Ibanez. Ah. I don't know. Stratocasters what they- are expensive. It depends. You can get a Stratocaster for like 400 bucks, Or you can get a That's Stratocaster for like $20,000. So... It depends on the vintage. And then you can get a Squire Stratocaster for like $150. Yeah. But, I don't know. I never was a fan of the uh, the aesthetics of the Strat. Like, I never understood why John Mayer took a PRS and made it look like a Strat. It's like, what a waste. PRS <laughs> looks delicious. And you're making it look like this children's toy well that's only because they made the uh they made the squire look like a their flagship guitar they should have made it look dumber so we had something to work up to no their strat is the flat flagship guitar no i i think they started with the telecaster so the big box bruce springsteen's big box <laughs> it's my <laughs> It's my favorite restaurant. <laughs> um, all right. It's str- I said Stratocaster's their fla- flagship. Oh, you said Squire. No, I said they made the Squire look like their flagship guitar. Oh. Well, they're just like, hey, do you want what looks like our flagship guitar, but entirely made out of plastic? Then here, <laughs> enjoy, this, enjoy this, the Squire, you 11-year-old. Um, or poor person. I can't afford our our vintage, you know, like 1976 Strat that uh, Jimi Hendrix s- spilled cocaine on. Um, yeah, I like the Telecaster. I like that. The head of that looks like you. You bonked the Stratocaster on the noggin. I thought, I think the, the 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 most classic looking guitar is the Gibson Les Paul. That's like. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah, would yeah, never yeah. own one because I I actually don't like playing them, but um, that they're too heavy, and they're too top heavy. They but. are the heaviest like commercial guitar, and I think the heaviest guitar that you can play is a Les Paul. Really, I didn't know that. I was looking that up for this, but then I just went with the uh, Strat. Strat. If I if I could pick any guitar, it would be a uh, a PRS for sure. Um. All right. Well, I'm still not very good at like estimating weight. Um, especially like m- like medium objects like this. Not that I'm particularly good at estimating the weight of like cargo ships, but um, it's like oh, it's you know this thing is 25 pounds, and you're like it's seven. <laughs> Because you t- like, I think I grossly overestimated the weight of like a, a rapier or a musket mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, I think you gotta think about like, yeah, you gotta think about like uh, lift like free weights, uh, dumbbells. I try dumbbells. Yeah, I'm trying. I swear. <laughs> you gotta give me another chance. All right. I'm going to assume it's 10 pounds. 
So I'm going to say 57 blue ringed octopus octopodes go into the weight of a Fender Stratocaster. Final answer. Final answer, yes. Oh, dang it. Here's a hint. Maybe this will change everything for you. Uh, standard Stratocaster is made of what is called tone wood, which is special wood that is good for making woodwind and acoustic stringed instruments. And I guess electric guitars. They that include- sounds like a magical thing. Like you go into like the elf forest and take a tuning fork and hit it against a tree and it like sings and you're like, this is what yeah. I'm making my guitar out of. But tone wood is not actually a type of wood. It is just a collection of types of wood that they've identified are good at making instruments with. So the ash, maple, cedar, the coveted rosewood, and then walnut. Walnut. I feel like I kept I hear, heard about like rosewood fretboards a lot when I was a teen and interested in guitars. I was never interested in the gear very much. I wanted. I, I was more interested in the the guys who were playing, like the best guys, um, and their their shredding skills. I didn't care. I I didn't really care that much about what guitar they were playing because they all played different guitars. So it's not like oh Eddie Van Halen's guitar is. So much better than, like you know, Eric Clapton's guitar. <laughs> it's like eh, eh. it all depends on how good you are. Stevie Ray Vaughan's, he he's a, he's a Fender. He was a Fender Strat guy, with thirteen gauge strings that were like a full inch off the fretboard. The guy was nuts. Um, <laughs> yeah. So my answer is fifty seven. Still, that is not your 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 um, hint has not swayed me in in the slightest. Uh, well, the correct answer is 45 blue rings. That sounds... Nah, 78.9. Not a nursing school victory. Uh, a Stratocaster is around 8 pounds. 8 pounds. It's always good to think like, all right, I can do a... Like, there's a good workout where you take like a five pound weight and you hold them you hold them out straight out and do circles and it works out your shoulders but like it's really easy so and like if you try to do it with 10 pounds or 25 pounds it gets really hard to hold a weight straight out but you can hold a rapier you could just hand someone a rapier straight out or a guitar straight out and it's not that hard but you don't hold it out for any significant period of time. No, but you can like that. That is a good metric. The, the average person is going to feel 10 pounds straight out. Yeah. I guess I I don't do those lightweight exercises because I'm a man. So with weak shoulders, (laughs) (laughs) uh, with a with a spare tire that he's got to get rid of, um, the dad bot is real. I'm I'm losing this battle. <laughs> Who's got the time? Who, who does who, have the time? That's why it's what dad, dad has the time. Uh, uh, negligent ones. That's what. That's who. <laughs> it's really when you get stressed. It's really just. It's easy to be like I'm gonna eat whatever I want. Yeah, when you spend all day doing crazy things for the kids and and uh and you finally get done and you're just like yes i'm having an entire bag of semi-sweet chocolate chips 
and animal brain takeover. <laughs> it's time to go on a dopamine and run. Yes, I need something to reward myself for having not screamed at the kids today. <laughs> uh, would you like to hear some fast facts before we get into the major fact? Sure. Okay, so the blue-ringed octopus lives in tropical and subtropical waters found in the Indo-West Pacific region regions, which are Sri Lanka, the Philippines, Australia, Papua New, Papua New Guinea, Papua. the Solomon Islands, and Vantuata. What the heck is that? Why is it with all these people, these islands I know and love? Ventuata? Yeah, what is it? I don't know. Vanuatu. See, it helps if you don't say it completely wrong. It's, it says if you say it, it helps if you say it right. It's a big oh, volcano. Yeah, I, I vaguely remember this from uh, the 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 days where I would uh, I I did I had this geography app I would test myself on, and the island nations were always the hardest because like I'd never heard of places like Vanuatu. Uh, it's a very once you say it right, it's very fun to say. Vanuatu, yeah, that is a good very one. cool country name. Um, it prefers shallow, not Vanuatu, um, the blue ringed octopus, prefers shallow benthic waters among rubble, reefs, and sandy areas. Like most of its octokin, it lives in a burrow and emerges to mate or feed. Their favorite food is crustacean in nature, specifically crabs and shrimp, but they will eat a fish. I'm not too proud for fish. They'll eat a fillet of fish, uh, but fillet of fish are harder to catch. So if it's injured or otherwise slowed down, they'll munch on it. Most cephalopods that change color with chromatophores do so to blend into their surroundings or to completely disappear. But the blue ring uses chromatophores and iridophores. To flash the rings. Do you know what iridophores are? We've talked about them before, I think. Iridescent cells? Yeah. Iridocyclitis. Uh, Flashing serves as a warning to predators and rivals. And on the Wikipedia page, there's a whole section on flashing behavior. Which could also be like... uh, On the same... The same heading could be on a Wikipedia page for... A celebrity that's uh, gone off the deep end. Yes. A whole section for the flashing behavior. Also, a, a whole section of your driver's ed course. That everyone seemed to have forgotten. Oh, like signaling. <laughs> yes. Or flashing uh, red lights. Uh, that's all I got. Do you have anything interesting about this guy? Yeah, a little, a little interesting thing. We're calling this major fact, uh-oh, spadedlios. <laughs> That's pretty good. Thank you. Now I, I want sp- now I want some Chef Boy RD right now. Again. Oh, the- man. I uh, I did, as a brief aside, I did uh, two-a-days in football in high school one, one year. And two-a-days is like when you do two practices in yeah. a day. Or what we did one four-hour practice um and i was super dehydrated came straight home and had the cheeseburger chef boy rd 
and I saw that one come back again, and I never <laughs> ate Chef Boyardee again. That'll that, that'll do it. It's crazy how long that lasts. Like me and Cheetos and Kit Kat bars, like they don't mix anymore because like when I was eleven, I threw those things up at Boomers. So, oh, those poor, those poor baby Boomers. Uh, the I threw them up at Boom. <laughs> I just found baby boomers and threw up my Cheetos and Kit Kats. Well, I uh, I do, to be honest, I don't have like the this the the aversion still. It's just like I had the aversion, and then it by the time it went away, I was eating regular spaghetti. <laughs> you were I had up. moved on. Oh yeah, it just uh. It still has that nostalgic, like, comfort food taste of just pure salt. Anyway, um, so the blue-ringed octopus. Uh, most octopodes rely on their speed and camouflage to avoid becoming a seafood snack. But as a little guy, bro, the blue-ringed octopus, uh, is not very fast. Uh, and he's also not really investing in the camouflage R&D department here. Um, having bright blue spots all over your body doesn't really blend you into too much. So, a new defensive tactic is needed. Um, if threatened, Bro will try and swim away. Uh, but if that doesn't work, it will turn and flash its danger discs at you. So, like you said, that flashing behavior with the iridophores and the chromatophores, making its uh, normal blue rings very bright, to reflect a lot more light and very big especially the greater blue ringed octopus that has the biggest rings uh, but if you get too close after that you will get a nasty nip the idea of being bitten by an octopus is one of those like one of the the animals I would like to bite me the least like yeah. having it just wrap its whole disgusting sucker filled body around my arm and then a parrot beak bites you no uh-huh. no 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 <laughs> um the uh the so the blue ringed octopus is uh one of the most venomous creatures in the world uh it has a neurotoxin um that is also present in pufferfish uh rough skin newts certain poison dart frogs uh, the toxin is called tetro, te- tetrodotoxin, or tetrodotoxin. I don't know how you pronounce it. Um, and this, uh, it acts by blocking sodium channels, which stops your muscles from moving. So uh, the whole thing is paralysis. The name of the game is paralysis. Um, so, and this happens very quickly. And once that paralysis reaches your respiratory system, it's game over. Um, and this can happen in minutes. So Bro in itself, himself, has uh, developed the sodium channels that are immune to the effects of the tetrodotoxin. So despite having uh, this toxin lo- uh, uh, located pretty much throughout its entire body... Um, it's in its uh, salivary glands. It's um, it's found in pretty much uh, every organ. Sorry, my uh, notes just uh, refreshed. Um, but it doesn't impact its normal functioning because of its special um, sodium channels. 
the when the uh, the tetrodotoxin is introduced into a victim's system, the venom triggers symptoms including nausea, respiratory arrest, heart failure, complete paralysis, loss of vision, and even death in a matter of minutes if it's not treated. Uh, and in most cases, death occurs to uh, because of your diaphragm becomes paralyzed and then you just suffocate, Oof. Uh, which is especially bad when you are underwater. True. Um. And you need to breathe enough, way more underwater. <laughs> true. Because you're just freaking out because an octopus just attached itself to your hand and now you feel dizzy. Um, so the, the reason why the tetrodotoxin does not uh, affect the, um, the, the blue-ringed octopus and it's found everywhere in its body is because the mother bro will inject the neurotoxin into her eggs. <laughs> and so they will actually end up being filled with and generating their own venom before hatching. So they are lethal upon hatching. And if you eat their eggs, you will die. So it's one of those things where it's like, why isn't every animal equipped with this? Um, if like, you know, if everything is adapting towards not getting eaten, Developing something like this would be pretty great. Um, or I guess camouflage is is good as well. But um, but I guess if everything was as toxic as this, then all predators would die. <laughs> that, would be, that would kind of be bad for the food chain. Um, so in total, this is not going to seem like very much, but uh, 16 people have been killed by bro. Which obviously is not very much when you compare it to like a great white shark or something like that. But um, it's not the fact that it has killed a lot of people. It's the fact that it can very quickly kill you. Uh, and True. it's only 10 centimeters long. Only four inches. So, again... Oceania and Southeast Asia are not a place where you just want to go swimming. The pox, jellyfish, and this thing are there. And the cone snail. And what was the other thing? The stonefish, with the, where the aborigines have their own, like, mythical story about it to stop people from going into the water. <laughs> There's just so many, like, hyper-deadly uh, venomous Small things. things in the ocean? Small things. Small and hidden things in the water's... Uh, uh, of this of the South Pacific, I think like stuff like that and like spiders and snakes. Probably most mostly because of snakes, but just in general, is why every mammal has a little startle every time something like small comes at it in the corner of its eye. Like otherwise, you'd think like there's just a, there's a small creature in my peripheral vision. Not it's nothing. I could stomp it. But it, like any little animal is any any mammal is gonna like have that startled reaction at something mouse sized or bug sized that's that sneaks up on them. Yeah, it's like that uh, the elephant and the mouse thing where the elephant's yeah. afraid of the mouse. I just don't want things crawling on me, for for starters. 
whether it's but why not? not because Be- because i don't like the way it feels on my skin oh i don't care about that if i know oh. it's like not dangerous and i'm like ready for it i could I that doesn't that doesn't bother bother me at all really let's say you're you let's say you picked up like a we, we've got these big um wolf spiders here they don't they, they don't they're they're not harmful to humans but they're like the size of they're, they're they're about the size of a poker chip, and they're ground spiders. Um, but that that move, freaks me out because I know it's a spider. And they move really and like, fast. What if it bites? Yeah, but even even if you know that this one doesn't bite, and you had it in your hand, that's that's okay. It's in your hand, and then it just crawls up your arm. Like you you have a problem at that point, even though you're not in any actual danger. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it might be giving me the heebies and the jeebies, but really it's the fact that like, but I, I think it's still like my lizard brain thinking like, what if it bites me? It, it, the knowledge can't overcome the lizard brain. In other words, it's not the feeling of the tickling of the movement. It is the lizard brain reaction to potential danger. I guess. Oh, it's funny. It's interesting to me that cockroaches are so um, that have such a, a an adverse reaction. I think we talked about this on our Death's Head cockroach episode, but like of all of the the insects and bug like creatures, to for the oh, like a huge swath of people to be just devastatingly afraid of cockroaches. Well, just they, it doesn't they really make sense bite. for them. They can bite, and they're associated with filth. Yeah, so are flies, and flies bite. And yeah, I'm not, like, ho- terrified I mean, a big of big horsefly, people don't want that near them. No, but, like, the, uh, how you know, a horsefly does not cause people to just drop what they're doing and just r- run for the hills like a cockroach does. True. Like, it, if I see a horsefly before bed, it doesn't have, it's not a do-or-die mission to kill it before I go to sleep. Yeah, it, the buck doesn't stop there. Uh, but if you see a cockroach, you're like, this, we, this we is do. my, this is my anime enemy now. <laughs> it is my new mission and I choose to accept it. Maybe it's because they're fast and big and there just aren't that many bugs that when if, if they're that big that can move that quickly along the ground. Maybe that's it. I don't know. But in any case, this is, this is an octopus that we're talking about. And uh, I already don't. I I think octopus, octopodes, are really cool. I love cephalopods. There's nothing that would make me want to ha- have one touch me. <laughs> Although Any I have, one? I have picked up an octopus in Mexico. Um. And it was unpleasant. But just the, the suckers, and all of the arms. Uh, and then j- uh, p- uh, the parrot beak. That's really weird. That's just <laughs> a really weird thing to have uh, right right up there in your bum, which is what they have. <laughs> it's their mouth bum. Um, and that's uh, yeah, uh, un- unpleasant and unacceptable. And also they're like moderately intelligent, so I don't know. Maybe yeah, with their parrot beak they give jars. you a little kiss. Yeah, they can open jars and, and from slide the into places. All right, so for you out there in podcasting, 
Flash your Fruit Loops. Be a bro to those around you and place your enemy's hearts under arrest. Like the blue ring octopus here in life, death, and taxonomy. Hey Taxonomy Titans, I just want to remind you that we now have a Patreon. Patrons can see full video episodes and get shoutouts on the show. But ultimately, it's a way for you to help us cover some costs and get even better. Still, reviews are the best way to help us grow. So if you haven't left one yet, we'd really love to hear from you. As always, thanks for listening and engaging. How big is a how big is a giant octopus? I'm looking at pictures, but I I think they might be photoshops. Fourteen feet? Arm span of fourteen feet. Okay. That's pretty big. Yes, that's too big.